Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Stephen Walden of Boss Tools to talk about his experience with inventing tools. That's interesting. Stephen is a 26-year-old entrepreneur with an MBA in finance from Loyola Marymount University. Always inspired by entrepreneurs in his family, Walden decided to try his hand at inventing a new product when he was a senior in college. Upon graduation, Walden moved back to his hometown, Phoenix, Arizona, to start Boss Tools to pursue his dream of inventing the product. In his spare time, Walden enjoys the outdoors and is often out of cell service range, you lucky guy, hiking or four-wheeling throughout Arizona. He blames his parents for his sense of adventure. Welcome to the show today, Stephen. I'm really excited to be on here with you guys and talking a little bit more about Boss Tools and uh, the journey I've taken to get here. Fantastic. So, So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Absolutely. Um, I was a 21-year-old entrepreneur student at Loyola Marymount University. I was also getting a degree in theological studies. Needless to say, I had quite an interesting path ahead of me. Uh-huh. Um, had quite a quite a fun life behind me that I was uh, ready to take into. I wasn't sure if it would be the business world or if I was going to be a theology teacher. And my entrepreneur class senior year is really where I made that decision. I love it when we're inspired by that one class in school, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was absolutely that one class. I had been doing yard work for my parents over the summer before my senior year, and I was digging a trench for them. Uh And consequently, I was using a hedge trimmer, which as you know, is different than a shovel in that it's a pretty basic tool that has just a couple jobs and at the end of the day you're pretty sore and tired from shoveling you wake up with a sore back wrists and shoulders the next day but all that seems normal because yes you were doing hard work right so i thought of this i i thought of this idea with a shovel that had some augmented handles that allowed you to 
grip it more effectively, but it was just a pen and paper sketch. And first day of class, um, on intro to entrepreneurship, uh-huh. our teacher says, our teacher says every student is going to come up and for 30 seconds, they're going to pitch a new business idea. It could be a product. It could be a restaurant. It could be a mobile app. And I took this opportunity to present the idea of an ergonomic shovel, not knowing what that meant or what it looked like, but pitching a concept for a shovel that could make shoveling easier. Wow. My teacher, yeah, my my teacher responded. He said, you're going to need this shovel to scoop that pile of BS out of my classroom. And I sat down pretty devastated. Yep, absolutely serious. Sat down devastated thought oh man my teacher thinks i'm an idiot this is not a great idea my friends were right the next day he announced the five ideas he picked mine being one of them uh the shovel amongst four other ideas and wow. we spent the semester yeah i was completely uh surprised when i heard that spent the entire semester developing a business plan a very conceptual education based brief emphasis on a marketing plan, a management plan, um, how you're going to structure your organization, really learning about the basics of what it takes to start a business. And at the end of the semester, all five companies had to present their ideas to uh, a board of fellow entrepreneurs who had since graduated from LMU, mm-hmm. and they were going to pick a winner, and the winning team won, I believe, a $1,000 prize. Mm-hmm. And after after every the concept company presented, we ended up winning first place, getting the cash prize and invited to, as seniors in college, go travel to another business plan competition is sponsored by the University of North Dakota. Wow. And yeah, so we were not expecting to win. First of all, we had gotten a pretty crude looking prototype built, but According to the panel of judges, we were the best idea and thought to have the most promise. My team was chosen on behalf of Loyola Marymount University to go to the University of North Dakota and actually participate in their nationwide business plan competition. Wow. And at, at, at the, yeah, it was a great honor. It was um, exciting for us, our first national exposure for a product that I had come up with five months prior in my parents' backyard. So we're in second semester of senior year and four of us and our professor get flown out to North Dakota and we don't end up winning the competition. Um, I won the fast pitch competition, which was essentially picking the best idea, uh-huh. but apparently apparently other students had better concepts, better business plans. What I came to find out was a lot of these business plans were based on the scholastic measure of of how well they had done, and the product itself was sort of secondary. And I wasn't too put back or distraught having not won because I ended up winning best product idea of the uh, of the competition. So I wow. felt pretty inspired after that. Yeah, no kidding. And so so after doing that, I felt hey, maybe there's a little momentum here. But um, I have a degree in business, but I also have a degree in theological studies. And I had interviewed to be a theology teacher in Los Angeles. And just before I knew if I'd accept or not get the job, um, it turned out they hired someone else. For the theology job? Yes, they hired someone else for the theology job. It was 
maybe just before summertime, I had just graduated from undergrad, uh-huh. and I decided if I can go back to school, get my master's in finance, and continue pursuing this business idea, simply mm-hmm. an idea I'd come up with, it's worth going back to grad school. So I ended up talking to the school, Toledo Marymount, and they decided that I could do a one-year master's program, and in tandem, developed a lot of my curriculum around the business plan and the business idea for the shovel because I would be traveling to various business competitions on behalf of LMU, representing their business school. So it was a win-win for me. I was going to get my MBA for the school, yeah. gained, ex- gained exposure yeah, for the product, gained exposure for their business school, and it was a real opportunity for me to take the whole semester, take an entrepreneurial finance course and mm-hmm. write out financial projections if I were to start this business, take a marketing course or a price strategy course and apply what I was learning to the idea that I had invented to the shovel. And it gave me a year to sit with the idea, play with it, build prototypes, go to different customers, potential customers, people in the industry, Uh people on, I went to a farm in Ventura, California. I went to a construction company in Phoenix. Um, I went to different places that use shovels and uh-huh. said, hey, here's my idea. I've drawn it on paper. I've welded a prototype out of steel piping, and I have something that I would like you to take a look at. And throughout this process, I traveled to Harvard University to present at their business competition. Wow. I traveled to the University of uh, Manitoba in Canada to present. I traveled to Chapman University in Los Angeles and a couple different of these local business plan competitions. But what I did that I don't think a lot of these other teams in these competitions were doing was I was building prototypes, presenting them to people in the industry, farmers, construction workers, landscapers, and getting their real-life feedback on what they thought of my idea. So Mm -hmm. as I presented more and more in these competitions, um, I eventually presented at one in San Diego State, and I had done so much consumer research, gotten so much feedback, mm-hmm. built prototypes because of what people had told me. I ended up winning. I swept the whole competition. I won the business plan part. I won the fast pitch. I won the shark tank, uh, mock shark tank. Uh-huh. I won the best prototype. I won the entire competition. And what that allowed me to do was give some credit to the idea yes. and I won a cash prize and then one of the judges ended up today becoming one of my advisors and an owner in the business. Wow. He, he came up to me after I presented and said, my name is Jerry. I'm in the industry. I know a thing or two about starting a business as he had started his own business as a 25 year old. And he said, if you need an advisor, a mentor, I'd be happy to meet with you and speak with you. And he ended up becoming um, one of the Boss Tools advisors, mm-hmm. brought a few of other partners on board, helped us bring in some investment capital, and just became a real catalyst for the idea using his experience as an entrepreneur. Wow. So I ended up, I traveled back to LMU, presented my successes throughout the year in these business plan competitions, graduated with my master's in finance and a business plan that had been given 18 months of dedication from a seriously driven entrepreneurship student at Loyola Marymount. So wow. when most people would start with a business plan after college, they mm-hmm. started day one. I had had three semesters of development, 
prototyping, getting advice and expertise from professors, people in the industry, consumer feedback. So I graduated with this thick business plan, mm -hmm. prototypes, potential customer lists, and I thought, I didn't get the theology job. <laughs> I'm going to go start a shovel business. And I ended up putting the idea up on Kickstarter and ended up raising over $65,000. Wow. And pre-selling about 600 of these shovels. And that's kind of the segue into starting the official business was Ooh. I raised this money. I had gotten the plan in order. And now 400 people are counting on me. <laughs> shovels. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, this idea, this college business plan, this concept on paper, the thing I came up with in my parents' backyard, 400 people wanted them. They wanted, some wanted one or two, some wanted three, four or five of them. So wow. I had over 600 shovels now that I had to go manufacture. Yeah. So, I don't want to step past the amount of work that you did to get this business plan in place. I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business in 1975. So this was my 40th, my 41st year of being an entrepreneur. Wow. And I've had 27 or so businesses. Some of them lasted a sneeze is what I tell people. And one of them lasted for 24 years. And there is a tremendous amount of work that you put into getting this concept ready so that you could put it up on Kickstarter. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. There is quite a bit of work that goes into proving the idea, making sure that you're not the only human on earth that thinks it's a viable idea. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. The biggest thing I learned in business school was don't cement the plan. All you need to do is come up with an idea called a minimum viable product is mm -hmm. what they would refer to it as. Is yep the most basic thing that you can show someone to get the idea across. So those steel pipe prototypes I had made, I took pictures of them, made a little video out of it, and by talking to enough people, that's mm -hmm. how I validated the idea. It wasn't based on a five-year financial model. It wasn't based on getting 1% of the shovel market. It wasn't based on customers trying to buy them and lining up out my door. It was based on making a, a, a viable prototype and showing it to people and getting their reactions, engaging what people think. And in, in doing that, it gave me the confidence to go start the Kickstarter and say, you know what, if I can get local people, whether it's friends, classmates, or just peers that have no relation to me, to get behind this, I bet I can get the whole nation behind it in a mm -hmm. Kickstarter campaign. And so it's really the momentum you gain isn't the plan. The momentum you gain is from getting a product in the hands of your potential customer and saying, what do you think? Give me the honest truth. Right. Tell me you like it. Tell me you don't. Tell me what you do think is good, what you think should be changed. And filter that all through the guidance that you've built for yourself in that in that lightly coded business plan. Yeah. And that's what you bring to market is a very good and well vetted idea with a little bit of structure behind it so you can hit the ground running. Perfect. I'm going to take our questions out of order because I want to hear more about the shovel and about your business. But this okay. is a perfect place to ask this next question. And I'd like you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. Absolutely. I. It actually falls right in line with after I finished the Kickstarter campaign, I fell flat on my face. Um, <laughs> so in 
so I had, I had finished the Kickstarter campaign. I raised um, $65,000 on Kickstarter, uh-huh. and I decided I'm going to move back to Phoenix. I'm going to partner up actually with a classmate from high school, from Brophy College Prep in Phoenix. We were classmates. We weren't friends. I wouldn't say we were enemies, but we had both graduated around the same time, both had an interest in oper- entrepreneurship, uh-huh. and our high school put out an article about students who were graduating and what they were planning to do, and we were both featured as entrepreneurship students who were trying to invent new products. So we partnered up, and we decided, since I was still moving back from L.A., um, Los Angeles to Phoenix, that we would pick a design firm in Los Angeles and or outside of Los Angeles, and we would go to five or six of them, get quotes, see how they could develop the product uh-huh. professionally for manufacturing, and we met with a whole variety of these design firms. And as this is a story of us not succeeding, I won't name any names, but there was no coincidence in every design firm we talked to said, oh, you just raised $65,000 on Kickstarter. This project is going to cost about $65,000. To me... <laughs> wow, that's great. I happen to have $65,000. How convenient. As as someone who isn't experienced, who's naive, uh-huh. says, oh, wow, great. I'm going to pick the quote that I can afford. And I ended up putting every single penny of that Kickstarter money into a design that ended up not being manufacturable. Oh, my God. And I was pretty gaslighted by a company that, as a company, they designed great products, uh-huh. but they were unable to achieve what we needed in the shovel. And it seemed every time we hit a wall, it was like game over in a vending machine and put in another quarter, put in another quarter, put in another quarter. <laughs> Those quarters were ten dollars to $20,000 at a time. Though. Yeah. Welcome to being an entrepreneur, by the way. Right. Exactly. Real life doesn't cost a quarter. It costs tens of thousands of dollars. So... into this project, we met a friend of a friend. So our friend's dad is an engineer, Uh and he took a look at the product and the work we had done for 80 grand and said, oh, my gosh, you guys have been taken to the cleaners. And we had been run clean of all of our startup capital. We didn't have a manufacturable design. We did, but it, it, it was almost like shoveling with a popsicle stick at that point. Oh, my gosh. And... We had spent all our money, and we were pretty devastated that we had just spent four months trying to develop a product, and still, as young entrepreneurs, we thought, well, if professionals can't do it, there's no way this product can be engineered properly, and despite all of this, we didn't give up. We ended up bringing in more investment capital and partnering up with a different engineering firm who we are still partnered with today. Apparently, they worked then. They did. They worked. They still work, and we uh, work very closely with them every day as they're they're now part of the boss team. Nice. Nice, nice. So your biggest success? I'd say my biggest success is, in a way, it's basically sticking to an idea that you believe in, and it's not to say my biggest success was landing a deal with company X or company Y, Mm -hmm. but... My biggest success is the overwhelming majority of people who saw this invention said, it's an industry you don't want to play in. It's dominated by very old and tenured companies. Mm -hmm. 
for many reasons, the shovel hasn't changed because it is a well-built digging implement. And taking all of that and filtering it through the feedback I had gotten, the minority of people coming back with positive feedback, taking that and turning it into something that could be built into a product, finding another set of engineers to help me build it, finding a viable method for manufacturing at a reasonable cost, all these things were very easy stepping stones that were very far apart. You had to jump quite yeah. a long distance from one to the other. And it was a lot, it would have been a lot easier of a business plan to just put in the drawer and leave behind. <laughs> but I think, I think the biggest success comes in overcoming people saying no, but not because the idea won't work, but a lot of people will say no because they're naturally skeptical. And knowing the difference between natural skepticism and the potential of a product is mm-hmm. a big success of us because we could have easily taken that skepticism to mean, no, you're wasting your time. Yeah. And we in turn took that and built this company out of it. Fantastic. Well, I, I love having this conversation with you 29 businesses later and, you know, having been doing this 41 years, it's the, those are the, that's the college of hard knocks. Right. So congratulations. So Thank you. we've talked about how this whole thing got started. What is it we're talking about? It's a great question. Oftentimes we get so excited in the story that uh, we leave the product out of this conversation. So the product we have, if we start at 30,000 feet, we're talking about a shovel. Uh-huh. Um, we know it as a digging shovel, a flathead shovel, a scoop shovel, maybe a snow shovel. They're all very simple tools with a straight shaft. Maybe they're painted with the name of the company on them, but it's a basic shovel that, and eh, you know what it, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, a shovel. What Boss Tools has come up with is an ergonomic redesign. And while we now are thinking keyboards, desk chairs, different shapes and sizes, how does that apply to a shovel? Mm-hmm. What we've done is we've we've added a handle in the center of the shovel itself that rotates and locks into different positions, so you can move and adjust your hand as you're digging. So imagine a big circle in the middle of the shaft of a shovel uh-huh. with a handle that can be rotated 360 degrees and locked wherever you want it to. If you almost imagine the design of a perfect push-up, uh-huh. that, ro- that rotating mechanism that you can spin and lock back into place, it's just like that, obviously designed slightly differently and for a shovel itself, but it's that implement, that rotatability that goes in the center of the tool. So if you can picture that, and then we placed a D handle on the top of the shaft of the shovel. Mm-hmm. We've now created an ergonomic shovel, meaning not that it's just a, a more expensive version that'll make you feel better, but it's a tool that allows your body to work in alignment, allows your back and your posture to be proper while you're digging. It allows your arms to work in tandem with each other, allow them to be aligned. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, it's putting your wrists back in a normal position and by doing so, getting your back posture right, your uh-huh. wrist posture and your arm posture, all of a sudden now I have a digging mechanic that is not as conducive to soreness, tiredness, injury, fatigue. What we have not created is a shovel that digs for you. We have created a digging implement that's going to reduce the wear and tear, yeah. the stress and strain of shoveling. You know, so Kevin, my buddy Kevin, uh, who helps us with our uh, computer stuff, he told me about this originally. And I went to your website a couple of months ago when he told me about it. 
and I didn't quite get it. But with you explaining it the way you just explained it and looking at your website, which is bossetools.com, I get it. It's a, it's a, and I understand exactly the natural confusion that comes about. We talk about it in the field as there is a natural hesitation because why would someone do this? Why would, why would I drive a car with six wheels if a car with four wheels has always worked for me? Uh-huh. Um, what benefit is it going to give me? And it's a, it's a tool that even this podcast is not going to give everyone the full benefit of seeing or feeling it because mm-hmm. it's so demonstrative. It's a product that we'll pitch to construction companies, to safety managers, to superintendents, and their reaction is, oh, I don't get it. And then we say, well, what's your address? We'll send you one. Right. Two days later, we get a phone call. Wow, I really feel the difference. Or we get a testimonial from a customer. I didn't realize the benefit I could achieve with a tool like this. So right. it's obvious when you use it. It's not obvious when you see it. Exactly. Well, see a picture of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So that's Boss Tools, B-O-S-S-E, tools.com, if you want to go check it out. And those will be available on the show notes page as well. So how can these tools be used in our urban farming endeavors or gardening endeavors? Absolutely. So what we're finding is there's three, the three of the four shovels can definitely be used. Obviously, the snow shovel (laughs) is meant for snow. Here in Phoenix, it's funny that we sell snow shovels. So the, the round point shovel is obviously more of your all-purpose tool, uh-huh. a good digging shovel, um, whether you're turning over a garden or trying to dig up a, a new hole for a tree. It's really just that general all-purpose tool. The benefit of it being is, again, your back's in alignment. When you're digging, you get more driving force through the round point shovel. Mm-hmm. We look at the second tool, the square point shovel. It's more of a transfer shovel. You might be putting, spreading manure in your yard or fertilizer. You might be taking dirt out of a pile, putting it in your wheelbarrow to go dump it down in the neighbor's yard. You might be doing something where you're moving pea gravel from point A to point B. All of these different instances, the transfer shovel is beneficial because you rotate that handle to wherever you're dumping the pile of whatever and it's gonna facilitate this lifting and pitching motion all at the same time. So this flathead shovel for transferring material, it makes what used to be a dig, step, and dump motion all fluid one one thing at a time. You're digging, you're pitching all in one fluid motion. Yeah. I was shoveling a compost yesterday, and so I'm just thinking through that shoveling process and thinking how just looking at this this square point shovel, how, how my experience of shoveling is going to be different. I'm going to get one from you because I got to get my hands on one of these. This looks absolutely way too cool. And, um, I I'm, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm getting it. So then you were going to talk about the scoop shovel with the digging shovel. Obviously, as I mentioned, the increased digging force driving power through the digging shovel itself, square point shovel, you can transfer lift a whole, whole lot easier shoulders aren't taxed as much and then you have this big grain scoop what might be used for some people in snowier areas as a snow scoop Um, it's also used for grain it can be used for feed it can be used to muck out horse pens compost 
it can be used, yes, for any variety of material that you're really trying to get a big scoopful of. Uh -huh. um, it could be used to spread seed throughout your grass. It could be used for a whole wide variety of different reasons. And this shovel, it's unique because so many times when we use a scoop shovel, we don't realize how heavy wood chips are uh -huh. until we load up a giant shovel head full of wood chips. And then we also forgot how big our yard is and we have to walk <laughs> all the way across the yard to dump it out. By the time we get there, our wrist is sore at the left side or the right side of my back hurts, one shoulder's tired, and I accidentally spilled half of the wood chips in the yard. Yeah. With the scoop shovel, with those handles in the perpendicular position, you have a much more firm and natural grasp over the shovel itself. You can carry that big pile of wood chips across your yard much more easily. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be as shaky or unstable as you would be with a traditional shovel because you have a proper grip and a much stronger hold over the shovel itself. So that scoop shovel, it's really going to allow you to dig and lift, not really dig so much, but lift with better posture, better body right. mechanics, whereas the other two shovels, they all have their different nuances and their different benefits, mm -hmm. but it's all, it all goes back to body mechanics and the way we're lifting, the way we're digging, and the way we're tossing material back and forth. Right. Perfect. So if I wanted to buy one of these and I or, it says order on your website, I can actually order it now and you have them and you can ship to me, yes? Yes, you can order them off our website. And if you're an Amazon Prime customer, you can order them off of Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. Either way, we are uh, ready to ship shovels, and we're definitely uh, excited for people to come check out our, our products. All right, so tell me, you uh, I've released products before and started businesses, and there's that thrill of the, you know, the first big deal sale that you have. Did that happen? That happened about two weeks ago. I don't know if you uh, remember that big storm that came through and... Snowzilla, as they called it. Mm -hmm. Snowzilla did not affect Phoenix. Right. Snowzilla obviously did affect a lot of the East Coast. Yes. And I have a notification on my email every time one shovel sells. Oh, and nice. When we, started, when we started our business, once a week I'd get one, I'd get two. First month we sold 30 shovels. Um, second that's, month I'd that's get nice. maybe. Right, right. Second month I'd get two a day, sold 80 shovels. I got to know, when did you start shipping? Uh, August. August. August of 2015. 15, yeah. We're only wow. uh, into our sixth month of sales. Okay. Third month? So third month, November, we're in the hundreds. I mean, we're getting, we finally got our first order of five units, and we finally got a big, a, a multiple unit order. And, you know, it feels good, but when you realize how much money it takes to operate the business, <laughs> you're, still, you're still spending more shovels than you're selling. Oh, yes. And I know that one. This, this, exactly. December comes along, and we're thinking, snow, everyone's going to pre-buy snow shovels. Everyone needs a snow shovel. We're going to hit it big this month. Uh-huh. And we sold maybe 300 units, so I got a couple emails a day. Uh-huh. But then as Snowzilla comes around... All of a sudden, I check our Amazon account. There's 80 shovels sold in one day. The wow. next day, 70 shovels sell. The next day, we only have 50 units left. All 50 of them sell. So all of a sudden, we're going from five shovels a day to <laughs> 50 to 80 shovels a day just because one snowstorm comes yeah. through. And so waking up and 
seeing 80 emails from Amazon saying you shipped 80 products was a pretty exciting day for us I'll bet. because we knew it's hey we've finally 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 gotten to the point where we've gotten enough attention enough people are starting to use and experience the product that there's sort of that viral effect taking off and you can go online and sell a shovel for 70 80 90 dollars <laughs> congratulations that's fantastic thank you so things have gone well you're happy with where you're at and we're happy. We're definitely trying to continue to grow. We uh, Last month was our first month over 600 units. And nice. We're hoping to grow that number every month. So we're, we're with the snow season winding down probably in March. We'll uh -huh. definitely be more going after the landscaping companies, the people right. in agriculture and farming, utilities, construction, and that'll be our bread and butter once uh, spring rolls around. Yeah, perfect. Well, I have to congratulate you having, again, I'm going to say having been an entrepreneur for 40 some years, sounds like you're doing great. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So I have one final question for you. One piece of advice for our listeners, preferably in the realm of business owner. Yes, I can answer with one perfect piece of advice for anyone out there. It's to take advice and listen to other people's experiences and know how to filter when someone's trying to tell you what to do versus how to do it. Mm. There often comes a point in business you'll meet people who have made the mistakes and have made the pitfalls that you're, you will make. You uh -huh. will make mistakes in business, but it's the ability to open your mind to other people's advice, other people's experiences, the reason that there are people out there with gray hair is because they have had the stress and strain <laughs> of doing the exact same thing yep. that we have. And if I were to sit here and say, no, I know better than you, uh, I'd be out of business. But I took the time to learn and listen from my advisors to my business partners who have all started businesses in the past. And what do you know, taking their advice has paid off dividends for me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your Absolutely. It's a pleasure. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Listeners can get a hold of me through our website. Anyone can reach out to me personally. I'm more than happy to field any questions, to come out to anyone, show them how the product works. My email is Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at BossTools, B-O-S-S-E, tools.com. Our website has a contact page, BossTools, B-O-S-S-E, tools.com. The office phone number goes directly to me, so give me a shout. Fantastic. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org, or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. 
They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.